Hi everyone and welcome to the IELTS VIP podcast. This is Chris Pell from IELTS Advantage and you're very, very welcome to the latest edition of our podcast. First of all, thank you very much to all of the people who have subscribed to the podcast so far and given it great reviews and great ratings. We really, really appreciate it. When we started this podcast, it was just a bit of an experiment to see whether it would work or not. And the response has been great. A lot of you have left reviews and told us how helpful it is. And I think it's just another way for you guys to get a bit of help with IELTS um, in a different format because podcasts are great because you can um, just listen to them at any time you like. Um, so make sure you go to um, iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever it is you get your podcast from um, and you can subscribe to it and get it, you know, if you're sitting on a bus or, you know, out for a walk or whatever you want to do. Um, if you want to hear me give you some advice about IELTS. So what we do on this podcast is we have a VIP course and we have a small number of students on that VIP course that we give a lot of help to. And we always think of different ways that, um, to help them. And one of the things that we thought about was, why don't we create a podcast based on their questions? So what we do once a week on a Sunday or a Monday, I ask all of the students, what do you want me to cover on the podcast this week? And we pick two questions and we go very, very deep on the answer to those questions. So the question that was asked today was very interesting because it's similar to one that we did last week. So last week, if you didn't check that one out, you can go back and have a look at it on YouTube or on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and it was all about motivation. So it was about how to stay motivated throughout your IELTS journey and throughout the process. So nobody can hear me on YouTube? Not very well. We forgot the microphone for YouTube, so there we go. <laughs> so we'll just quickly add this in. The joys of live podcasting. Okay, so the question last week was about motivation. And the question this week is similar, but actually quite different. It's how to be productive during your IELTS preparation. So there's a big difference between being motivated and being productive. So. Anybody can be motivated, but very few people can be motivated and do the right things and get the right things done. Being productive is all about efficiency. It's all about finding out what is the most efficient way to improve your scores and actually doing those things. So being motivated is great, but the best way to describe it is working hard versus working smart. A lot of you work hard, you're very, very motivated, and you do a lot of work, but not as many work smart, work efficiently, and are productive. So let's talk about how to make you as productive as possible, because this is going to save you a lot of time, a lot of effort, maybe even a lot of money, and um, by being as efficient and as productive as possible. So there are a few principles that we're going to talk about. The first one is knowing what to study, and this is a big one. I'd say the, the majority of students preparing for the IELTS test are either going to a language center, a language school, a review center, whatever you call it in your, um, in your area, in your country, or going to, a, uh, or just going to a bookshop and getting a book and studying. So that is probably the least efficient way, the least productive way that you can prepare for the IELTS test. Why is that? 
It's because you have specific needs as an individual and you are not addressing those specific needs by going to a just a general class or a review center or or a or looking at a book because they are covering absolutely everything and you might only need uh, help with 5% of what they're teaching or 10% of what they're teaching. A good example is just keep it simple. You might need help with writing, but you have to go to a course that teaches you listening and reading and speaking. So you're wasting you know, 75% of your time and only really addressing the specific problems that you need help with 25% of the time. Or you might join a writing course that specifically addresses writing, but you need help with vocabulary and grammar related to writing. And it covers mostly structure and answering the question and thinking of ideas, and you don't need any help with that. So it's all about knowing what to study and then attacking those things. So how can you be more productive? Well, it's very, very simple. You cannot do this by yourself because you're not an IELTS expert. If you were an IELTS expert, you wouldn't be doing the IELTS test. So what you need to do is you need to get yourself a really, really good teacher, that could be an online or an offline teacher, to look at your writing, listen to your speaking, look at your reading, look at your listening, and tell you the specific reasons, the exact reasons why you are not getting the scores that you need. And then what you do is you focus on those specific areas. So instead of doing a you know, a 12-week course, um, like I used to work for big schools like the British Council, for example, instead of someone going to a 12-week course and wasting 12 weeks, you just tell them the exact reasons why they're not getting the score they need. So that's what I would do. The second thing is to prioritize your weakest areas first. So once you find out the things that you need to focus on, there's going to be a list of them. So that could be, for example, um, with writing, that could be grammar, vocabulary, developing your main points, structure, introductions, main body paragraphs, conclusions, thinking of ideas, understanding the question. There are many, 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 many things that you might need to work on. But there are probably only one or two that really need your attention first. For example, if your grammar and your vocabulary is not at a band seven, it doesn't matter how many structures you learn or how well you write the answers to the questions, you're not going to get a band seven until your, um, until your grammar and your vocabulary is at that point. So if your grammar and vocabulary really needs work and that's your biggest weakness, you should work on that first because everything else is just a waste of time. So prioritize the most important areas first and work on them first. In other words, find out what your biggest weaknesses are and focus on those weaknesses first. Everybody is going to be different. For some people, it will be grammar, vocabulary, reading, speaking, listening, specific things within that. But again, get yourself an expert, get yourself a teacher to find out what those things are. Now, a lot of you might be thinking, oh, you're just saying that so that I'll buy your course or get your help from you. No, number one, we only work with a very, very small number of people and thousands of people listen to this podcast. So that's not what it's about. Um, and, and other people might be saying, oh, well, you're just doing that so other people will pay money and, uh, and pay money for other teachers. Well, think about it. You should be thinking about it completely in the opposite way to that. A good teacher is going to make you more productive, identify your specific weaknesses, which is going to save you a huge amount of time and money. So 
let's think about student A, student B. Student A does it for free. They look at all the websites, all the YouTube channels, all the books, and they do it for free. What's going to happen to that student is they are going to fail multiple times. And let's say the average cost of the test is about $250. If you, um, you know, if you waste, uh, you know, you, you fail four times, you waste $1,000, if not more. And that's not even counting how much it costs um, in for, for wasted time. Let's say you spend $500 or $250 on a good teacher and you pass next time because they helped you, that is saving you money in the long run. It's making you more productive. So again, it's about working smart, not hard. Any fool can work hard. Any fool can run around and be very, very, very motivated and do lots and lots and lots and lots of work. However, that's not being productive. That's not being efficient. So you need to be as efficient and as productive as possible. And a teacher will help you with that. But a teacher is only going to get you so far. There's a saying, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. A, one of the frustrating things that we have is even students who do join our VIP course, and we will tell them, you need to fix A, B, and C. And if you do not fix A, B, and C, you will not pass. In order to improve A, B, and C, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And some students just will not do X, Y, and Z. In other words, they won't do the work. They won't execute. They won't actually put the, the R's into what they need to do to improve. So the third principle is execute. You need to do the things that your teacher tells you to do. Or if you are preparing by yourself, you need to do the work. Sounds really straightforward and really, really simple. But one of the keys to productivity is actually picking the things that need your attention and then actually doing them. Because if you procrastinate, number one, you're procrastinating, so you're wasting time, but you're also going to fall behind, which is going to create a lot of stress, and then it'll get to one week before your test or a few days before your test, and you'll panic and you'll fail. Um, so it, it is as easy as you know, creating a calendar, putting a few tasks each day into that calendar, and ticking those off and doing them and being organized in that way. And by executing, that is really, really going to help you do that. The fourth thing, fourth principle, you hear me talk about this all the time, is keep it simple. IELTS preparation is not that complicated, but it is complicated by students. So you will get students who you know, are, are coming to us asking, like, what about this and what about that and what about this? And what, like, just do this. Just keep it simple and do it this way. If you have a really, really good teacher, follow what they say. Don't overcomplicate it. We will often work with students who we will give them a very simple structure for how to write an opinion essay. I'll give it to you now. It's like introduction, two main body paragraphs, and conclusion, a basic structure like that. Within each paragraph, um, we tell them exactly what to do. For example, in the, um, in the uh, main body paragraph, topic sentence, explanation example. Just keep it very simple. What students will do is, oh, but what if I put my opinion here and then my example up here and then I put two things and just really, really, really overcomplicated. So you're making it way more complicated than it needs to be. Therefore, you're getting yourself more stressed out. You're putting in extra work. It's taking extra time. You're being inefficient. So if you have a good teacher, follow what they say. Do not go and look at seven other teachers on Facebook and YouTube and follow all these different things. Just find one teacher. They will tell you in a very simple way what to do 
if they're not giving it to you in a simple way, then they probably don't know what they're doing. But if they do know what they're doing, they'll tell you what to do in very simple terms. Follow that. Um, let's look at vocabulary for as an example. One uh, student who came to me last week told me, uh, yeah, your course is great and, uh, you know, everything seems to be going well, but a lot of the vocabulary in your essays is too simple. And the vocabulary that you are, um, you're teaching us is way too simple. It's like, well, why does it need to be complicated? Oh, well, my teacher told me to use these big words and, and, and it has to be really complex and complicated. It's like, okay, follow that teacher if you want, but you're going to fail because it's not about using big words. It's about using words appropriately and accurately. Um, and that student will probably fail next time because they just aren't listening to us. They're trying to use really, really complicated um, words and vocabulary and phrases and idioms, and they're making lots and lots and lots of mistakes. And we've explained it. If you use these words and if you do this, you're going to fail. Whereas we've got other students who are just like, yeah, we'll do exactly what you say, and they pass. Um, keep it simple, guys. You don't need to overcomplicate it. The fifth thing is become an independent student. So in order to be efficient and get stuff done, you're going to have to stop being a baby and stop acting like a child. Um, what you get with a lot of students is they will constantly ask questions. The most frustrating thing is, and I actually had a conversation with a student about this yesterday, is a student emailing you every time they see a word they don't understand. Teacher, what does this word mean? Teacher, what does that word mean? What does this word mean? And I replied to them and they got very, very upset. <laughs> I said, here's a dictionary. It will help you understand the meaning of words. Look at this word, look this word up in a, in a dictionary. And that means you do not have to email me. Then I have to email you back and then you have to wait for a response and you have to understand what I've said. Just look it up in a dictionary. And this is an extreme example, but it does come up quite a lot. We had another student yesterday who we sent them a sample essay and they sent 21 questions about the grammar in a, in a 250 word essay. They wanted to know every single, um, an explanation on every single sentence on why we use that grammar. And we, we explained to them, you need to figure this out for yourself before you start asking questions because you're just wasting time. With what a lot of students do is they become too dependent on their teacher. And then they have to either wait until they are in the classroom with the teacher or in a one-on-one -on -one scenario with their teacher or sending them emails. And that slows the whole process down. Whereas if you become an independent learner and you start to learn by yourself, and I'm not saying that you should not use your teacher, you should not ask questions, but when you ask a question, you should have exhausted all other possibilities. You should have tried to find the answer yourself, looked up the meaning of a word yourself, for example. Or we've had other students say, what's a synonym of this word? Use a thesaurus. Um, what's a, an antonym of this word? Again, use a dictionary. Um, what's the, how do we pronounce this word properly? Use a dictionary. Use an online tool that will help you with the pronunciation. This is not about a teacher avoiding work or not wanting to work hard. This is about you becoming an independent learner and finding out 
all of the answers or 99% of the answers yourself. And then when that 1% of, of problems comes up that you can't find the answer to, then that's when you use your teacher. Then the teacher will be very, very, very responsive to you. But if you have sent them 50 emails about what does this word mean, what does this word mean, and then you actually have a real problem, are they going to help you? No, because they're, you've wasted so much of their time. So if they ask you, do you need any help? Just say, actually, no, I can find out the answer to myself. I might need help later. And then when you do have a question, they will really, really be able to help you with that. So those are the five things that I would do. Number one, know what to study. Number two, prioritize your weaknesses and focus on your biggest weaknesses first. Number three, execute. You need to um, do the work. You need to carry out what you need to do. Number four, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. They're not nearly as complicated as you think. And number five, become an independent learner. Use your teachers when you need to use them, but realize there's a huge number of things that you can actually help yourself with. So hopefully you find all of those things interesting and useful. Some of you might disagree with some of them. If you do, feel free to let me know. Um, or if you are unsure about anything, feel free to comment and let me know. Um, and hopefully you find that interesting. And see you again on Thursday for another podcast. And we're going to work on connected speech. We're going to work on pronunciation on Thursday. Thank you very much, guys. Again, thank you for subscribing to the podcast um, and giving it lovely reviews and answering, asking questions, being interactive and helping us understand what you need. Um, really, really does help. Thanks again, guys. Sorry about the microphone problem at the beginning, um, but hopefully it didn't work out too badly. Thank you. Bye-bye.